You are listening to the Aging Starts Now podcast, where it's all about responding with confidence to the legal, financial, and personal challenges created by disability, unexpected illness, or simply aging in general. Join us weekly as elder law attorneys Tim Takis, Barbara McGinnis, Chris Johnson, and other members of the Takis McGinnis Elder Care Law Team talk about the tools, techniques, strategies, and services that will make the elder care journey easier for everyone involved. Get ready, because aging starts now. Hi, everyone. Welcome to episode number 110 of Aging Starts Now. I'm Barbara McGinnis, partner and certified elder law attorney at Tagus McGinnis Elder Care Law. Today, we're speaking with Marianne Oglesby Southerly, the founder and executive director of Veranda Ministries, about caring for people with dementia. Welcome, Marianne. Well, good afternoon to you. How are you? I'm well, thanks. <laughs> good. I, I know our audience is eager to hear about you and your your ministry at the veranda. So just start telling us about yourself, please. Okay. Well, um, I was born and raised in Arkansas. Um, and so I moved to Tennessee about 12 years, 13 years ago because I always wanted to live here. And um, I was a private voice teacher at that time. And so I had a lot of friends in the music, but I also was a nurse and I had worked with people living with dementia, even in Texas, which is where I moved from to, to here. And um, so I've always worked with people with dementia. Music's always been huge in my life. And so it was kind of a fit. Uh, I was an old, um, we called them family practice nurse, not old. I wasn't old then. I was younger then. <laughs> when, when um, you know, everybody had one doctor that they went to. Right. And you had a family practice. And I Loved it. That's what I went to nursing school for. I loved that old show, Dr. Welby, where there was the nurse and Dr. Welby knew everybody, delivered all the babies, all those things. And I'm not as old as Dr. Welby, but I I do remember as a child, we had one doctor. He did everything for us. And so as a child growing up, I just thought, that is so cool. I want to be that nurse that knew everybody, saw everybody's children being born, took care of my grandparents, sang at all the funerals, all those things. And so that's really what started it all. And it was, you know, 30 years ago, 35 years ago, when dementia was always treated as, there wasn't even really that word. They used it Mm -hmm. a little bit, but not near like they do now. Most of our clients or patients at the time, they just thought they had mental illness, some type of illness, stroke, the hardening of the arteries is what yeah. they always said, yeah. you know. And so, but I noticed something in our elder group of patients that just didn't fit that. It didn't fit the the people that we, the patients that we got when we were on call on the weekend. When we were on the weekend call, that's when the quote, uh, as we said in those days, that's when all of those that had mental disabilities would come and there was all kinds of schizophrenia, things like that. But I thought, well, these little older people do not act like that. There's something different. And so one day, this is what started it all. A little lady came in. We had gotten her on call on the weekend and she had came for a checkup. And so she just was heartbroken, lost, wanted to see her son. He lived in Dallas. 
long ways away from where she was. She didn't have a caregiver. She lived alone. Her husband had died. Very, very um, um, laid back. Very, she ju- you could just tell there was something different. And so she'd had some blood pressure issues. I called her son. Her son said, well, mom's just acting crazy. Those same things, you know. About fast forward about a month. And um, the doctor I worked for came back into the office and he said, there's been a wreck on the interstate. A lady has gone down the up ramp and she was killed. Oh my. And they said she was in her pajamas. Well, that first visit she came, she came in her robe and I knew it was her. I knew it was her. There was, there was just something about it. And sure enough, it was that little lady. And so I just thought, I can't, this just doesn't make sense to me. And so the doctor and I talked about it and I just said, there's something here that we're missing, you know, and, and dementia was, was out then, but not like it is now. And so uh, long story short, there was a program in Texas that was similar to the veranda where I work now. And I moved to Nacogdoches, Texas. And when I moved there, there was a program and they hired me to come in and do pretty much what I do here. But in Texas, the Texas law is much more lenient with quote respite programs than Tennessee is. And so we, you could even have a respite program in Texas and get paid for Medicaid from it. Hmm. They, they would, they had an in-home slash caregiver type program and it would pay for wherever you took your loved one. It didn't matter. So I worked there a few years and it just, that was a long time. And that's where I met Tifa Snow through that. Mm-hmm. And um, so I kind of switched gears. Family practice went on the wayside. And then now the dementia care stepped up. And even then, that was 20 years ago, it still wasn't as prevalent as it is now. So that's kind of basically how the dementia started the training, the the love of them. I, I have great stories of the families we took care of then. I had a little lady come in one day. Her caregiver's name was Opaline. And she'd say, that Opaline, that Opaline. <laughs> and I said, what did Opaline do? And she said, she dressed me. Look at this. And so I looked there. She was mad. And come to find out, she goes, look at these shoes. It is not Easter. And I have on white shoes. It is ridiculous. No. <laughs> And because it wasn't Easter yet, in her mind, she knew that the time and date in all of the South was you don't wear white till after Easter. That was Mm -hmm. just the rule. So she really wasn't, we all thought that, you know, but it got her in trouble because she was being noncompliant. And so it's those stories like that that keep that forever changed what I do in life now because they needed a voice. Yeah. It's it's interesting how we we start working and then we find something that just it calls to us. It draws yes. you know, it pulls at our heartstrings that that that's what I need to work on. And for you it was, you know, recognizing the dementia patients were not really getting what they needed and you sought out how to make that better. I and, did. And I have spent all these years trying to to be who they were, if that makes sense. If I were Miss Jones, how would, how would I, I want to be treated? React? Yeah, how would I want to be treated? And how would I act if everything dear to me was leaving me? If if everything I knew I had forgotten, um, you know, so 
Hence, when I moved to Tennessee, I wanted a program like was in Texas, but it was so hard to have it here. And I always could not understand why churches didn't, I'm just going to be honest, step up to the plate and do more about helping the elder population underneath the steeple. And so I just thought it would be the coolest thing if a church, you know, million dollar building sitting vacant all week long for the most part, right? why they could not figure out a way to help the people in the community that needed a caregiver, that that person had dementia or for whatever that type of medical condition they had, but primarily dementia. And so that's how it started. And a pastor here in Gallatin said his father had uh, passed away with Alzheimer's and it was just the right timing. And I said, okay, here it is. I had moved here. I worked in a community setting for a corporation when I first moved here. And I said, I can't do this. Then I went to work for a, in a home health company where I signed up people for choices. So I went from working in Bell Mead <laughs> to working in an area um, that was so not Bell Mead. And it was for those who lived in rural areas that needed care and there just wasn't any, and there wasn't money mm-hmm. for a community. And so I think I got to see the both sides. And um, so that was just part of the journey. And then I ended up, the pastor said, um, I'd love for you to start the program. And so that's how the veranda started as kind of like the program in Texas, but different because then now we were a quote ministry of the church, but we're our own separate nonprofit as well. So it's worked well. This is our 10th year. So what is the veranda? So the veranda is a respite program, which is not, we're under, we are, we have a exemption for license as an adult day program that day services, but we still are under uh, DHS for uh, being able to be open. And so it is a respite program, short-term respite for those living with dementia. That's how it was in Texas. We only did it four hours in Texas and it worked well because it was enough time for a family to have a little bit of time to themselves, go do some things they needed to do. But it also gave people living with dementia an outing and it was their world that they went to. It wasn't us, me expecting them to come to my world. I went to their world. And so it, we do games, we have fun. Um, we, we do artwork, we do tons of music. We have music therapy, art therapy, we just become friends with them. And when they're allowed to be who they are, there's a whole lot less issues. And if we could see life through their perspective, from their point of view, then we don't have the issues that families sometimes do. And it's easier for me. I get that. I don't have them all day long. Yet, I know them pretty well. Our average stay here is about two and a half, three years. We have one that's been here the entire 10 years. We have some five years. So the um, brand has been operational for 10 years. Yes. It, it's a freestanding, not-for-profit organization, mm-hmm. but it's housed within your, your church. Exactly. And it looks like an adult daycare program, but it's operational under the respite program from Department of Human Services. Right. Right. Okay. We we went and got legislation passed so we could do that because there was a change in that particular legislation. So we went and uh, Senator Hale helped us get legislation to where we could do that as in a limited form of adult day services. 
So when you say folks come four hours a day, is that like eight to four, 12 or 12 No, it's to four? from 10 to two. And here's okay. why. We yep. did it 10 to two because most medications are not given at that particular time, unless you have a lot of comorbidities. Um, we don't have anyone and never have. Is that not the funniest thing to me? We have never had a client in 10 years have to take a medication between the hours of 10 and 2. Well, that's good. That means it's that's one less thing to Exactly. To we didn't with. have to worry with that. And so we have lunch for them mm-hmm. and snacks. And um, we, you know, if it's just the ladies, sometimes we'll go on an outing. Um, like How eat. many people are in the program? We have 15 now. Um, and they come every day? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So nice. that's our max. Now we can have more than 15. We just can't have but 15 at one time, but, um, but we have 15 and I didn't know what COVID might would do to that. It was a lot of t- stressed moments or two, because you know, when you depend on fundraising for things, you think, oh gosh, what's COVID going to do to me? But you know what? I mean, I don't know how else to say it, but God blessed it through then. And, um, what is another interesting thing is adult day services were never in the part that would not allow you to be operational. Oh, that's good. Yeah. So I didn't we realize didn't, that. So that I never know. really shut down then. Yeah. No, we never, we did because I, I was afraid and I didn't want someone to catch it on my watch or to, to, you know, and so we closed for about two and a half months in the beginning but then we've been very careful and there's been very few times that we had to close for um, for any reason, for quarantine, for anything. And if we did, because we're not here Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and Monday, we would usually close on a Thursday or on a Tuesday and that would get us through that that time period. So, But the families didn't want to, you know, isolation in the home was just as rough. Well, I don't say it was just as bad. It had its own set of issues. Um, because the family was tied at home now with that loved one where they were used to having a time where they could go and do. And so um, the families were more than willing to take the risk for someone living with dementia. So do you have a waiting list now? Um, actually, no, we we could have in the next week, but or after tomorrow, but, but we're pretty close to having a waiting list now, except for certain days. Wednesdays, no. Months, Tuesdays, Thursdays, yes. So, um, you know. So, if, if somebody was listening to this and they were interested in rolling their loved one with dementia, and this is in Gallatin, Tennessee. Right, in so, Gallatin. So, un, you know, unfortunately, <laughs> if somebody's in Cookville and they're listening to this, it's not going to be uh, very useful for them. But folks right. in this area... Um, it might be worthwhile. How would they go about enrolling someone? In you can go in- to our website at uh, verandaministries.org and mm-hmm. um, there's some places on there that you can get in contact with us. You can, the emails and things are on there. And um, we have a assessment that you have to go through. Um, I do um, as the director for the families. And most of it is just learning who that person used to be, what they like, what they do not like. Um, and it's pretty interesting because what a family member might tell you mama likes or doesn't like <laughs> sometimes isn't quite the truth. And so it's not an untruth. It's, it's, just, it's just their version of mama. It's just their version <laughs> of what they think mama. And so, but, but we do that because 
you know, I always say this and it's the truth. I don't know who they were until the point they came to the veranda. Till they come here, my relationship starts with that person living with dementia the moment they step in the door. I'd want to know who they were back 20 years ago, 10 years ago, 40 years ago. But what I want to know is to develop a relationship with them from this point till they're no longer here because that's the person I get to know. I truly know the person living with dementia most of the time and families will say, you knew mama better than we did. And it's no fault of the children. It's just I have a different relationship almost with a different person. Right. And so I don't I don't see the mama. The heartbreak of it isn't with me in the beginning. Now it is at the end because the ending of life for for as a doula, an ending of life for people living with dementia is not always that rosy picture that people think that it might be. So um, it's very important for families to know that the person they used to be is still there. It is still there. Um, you just have to go a little deeper to find it. And and we don't change. Our heart doesn't change. Our our um, We had a lady. This is the perfect example. We had makeovers. The women got a really professional false eyelashes, the whole nine yards makeovers. And she was a dear friend of mine, and she was a volunteer here, ended up a client, ended up passing away during the um, COVID episode. So we put pink lipstick on her. I did. The lady doing the thing did. She was so angry when she saw herself in the mirror because she was just wiping that make off, just hollering mad. And come to find out, she looked at me, she goes, I hate pink. (laughs) She wore coral. That was the only color lipstick she ever wore. And so it's those little details that causes, quote, behaviors. People calls them unmet needs Mm -hmm. that can make or break a relationship or make a day a long day and a long night. Um, So I had a lady one time, she did not ever wear pajamas, but somehow or another, the family thought she should wear pajamas. It would be warmer. Well, they'd wake up every morning and there she was with no pajamas. And and they just were upset. And so come to find out, we go back and forth and talk to the husband and realize she never wore pajamas a day in her life. She hated that elastic around her waist to sleep. And so she probably slept in nightgowns and that would have been much it, more comfortable. Exactly. So it's those little things that we try to find out and and make it easier for the families in the work of the doula aspect of it and say, look, mama never did it this way. She's, I can promise you she's probably not going to like it that way now. She just doesn't have the ability to, to tell you that right. other than outbursts. Uh, exactly. Mm-hmm. So when people understand where they're coming from. We can maybe divert or avoid some negative outcomes. Exactly. And that, you know, that negative Oh, that negative way people think about people living with dementia. Well, they're just, they automatically assume there's going to be behaviors. They automatically assume that they're going to end up one way when in fact it does not have to be that way. It doesn't have to be that way. But you have to change, but it doesn't have to be that mama's no longer there. 
Um, so, you know, we found out, I'm, I can tell you this, there are many families that would probably faint if they knew I knew their hidden secrets. <laughs> <laughs> because they'll come out eventually, you know, you know, yes. they'll, they'll come out eventually. So, but it, you know, and we don't do that. I try not to tell the families now, mom did this or mom did, because then that's an embarrassment to them, but it doesn't embarrass me. So sometimes it's just best to hush and say we had a grand day. How Don't sweet is that? It. How sweet is that? Really connecting with people. Yeah, you have to connect with the families. You know what? My families probably, I, I'm just telling you, I have a, been blessed. We've had over 250 people come through here with dementia. And I know in the big scheme of life, that's not many. But for a small program to have supported 250 families and the person living with dementia, because the average day is so long. That's a lot of families and they, they've become our families. And at the conference that we had for caregivers, they decided at the end of it that we need to have a veranda family day, which means oh, I all like that. the family and all of the staff are going to go out once a month. We're going to go get massages. We're going to get nails. We want to, they want us to become a family. And it made me cry. And I just thought that is the sweetest gift to me to know that you want to be with like-minded families, but you want to include us in it as well. Um, it's better than an award. Mm-hmm. An award. Um, I will tell you that we did get certification. I want to brag on this because it's COVID put a hit. We are a designated organization now for Teepa Snow, for PAC. Um, we've been working on it a couple of years. It's a new program that she offers. And so we're the first one in Tennessee to have a program that has been sanctioned by PAC. And um, you go through, you know, same thing you do to be trainers and things like that. But it's over programs. Memory Cares can do it. Um, but we're the first adult day program in the country that signed up to do it. And um, so we're thrilled at that. Um, well, I think we you should to be. Do it the right way. We yeah. wanted to do it the right way. and. And, you know, as far as resources, TIPA is the best one to me for a family in the middle of the night when their loved one's asleep, click on to TIPASnow.com and there's you some answers. And there's going to be TIPA Snow training in the Nashville community. I believe it's in April or it's sometime in spring for sure. But at uh, Wellness, is that what you're talking about in Brit? Yes, down in yeah. Brentwood. Down it's, at, in, uh, uh, it's July the 29th. Okay, so not quite spring. I got no, the dates July 29th, wrong. And she's actually coming to the veranda on the 28th and um, to do some videos and stuff of the program and what we do and things like that. So I'm honored about that as well. But, yeah, I mean, she just gets it, you know, and, and so mm-hmm. she's helped so many people and our families as well. So um, for a resource, for a family, TeepaSnow.com, you just cannot beat it as a caregiver. As a caregiver. Well, Marianne, thank you for being with us. You are more than welcome. That's it for today's episode. Thank you for listening. Take Us McGinnis is a life care planning law firm helping families respond to the legal and financial challenges caused by chronic illness or disability of an elderly loved one. Join us next week for another episode of Aging Starts Now. 
Thank you for listening to the Aging Starts Now podcast. For more information about today's show, visit tn-elderlaw.com, click on the free resources tab, and then click on Aging Starts Now. You'll find the show notes there. And while you're at it, why not check out all the free resources available at tn-elderlaw.com. Document downloads, the Take Us McGinnis blog, educational videos, informative articles, helpful links, a TV show, and more. It's all there, free for the taking. If you enjoy listening to the Aging Starts Now podcast, please subscribe, rate the show, or leave us a review. It's easy to do on whatever app you use to listen. We would love your feedback on the show. Aging starts now. We'll be back next week with more candid discussions about challenges created by aging, disability, and unexpected illness. 